0: Hey friends, have you ever gotten whiplash trying to make sense of your life circumstances? All the ups and downs and sharp curves and U-turns? I know I have. You know God is in control, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. All the pieces to your puzzle, your life's puzzle, are strewn everywhere. You feel yanked around and at the mercy of life, rather than gently guided by a God who loves you. Listen to this conversation I recently had with Leah Lively. She talks about how in the midst of difficult and confusing circumstances, she had to choose God's perspective instead of relying on her own. And that made all the difference. Sometimes, and I would probably say most of the time, we are not privy to the behind the scenes of God's dealings with us. And our history with God builds our trust in our faith. We can rely on His wisdom and trust His goodness no matter what's going on around us. Leah, her husband, and children were settled in Virginia. They were happy living near family, and they were content where they were when God interrupted their plans and moved them twice in 10 months. Listen in.
1: So we were living in our dream house in Virginia, and we just had gotten to a place where we wanted to do something different. And my husband had an opportunity to take a position in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, at first, I wasn't too excited about it because I didn't know anything about it. But um, I wanted to support my husband and just decided, okay, we're just going to make an adventure out of this. I had, um, I have four children at the time they were 11 and under. And so I had, I had littles and I knew that as their mama, I had to do the best I could to um, get them excited about this, especially for my middle schooler. Cause she was just at that sensitive age where she was leaving all right. of her friends everything that she loved. And so I had to make this into an adventure for them. And even though on the inside, I cried, mm. these were, we lived in um, this area in Virginia for 16 years. Mm. Our church was our family. We, Our family lived in other places in Virginia. And so our church, they'd known, my husband and I, before we were married. And so they'd all carried our babies through the nursery and they loved our family. And so the fact that we were leaving all of this behind was heartbreaking to me. And so I just had to cry in my closet and, um, but then just really try to be positive for my kids. And um, I'd always lived in Virginia. I'd never gone anywhere. And so um, I was kind of excited about seeing new places, traveling, and that kind of thing anyway. So we just did what we could. We made the best of it. And um, in August 1st of 2016, we arrived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Now, several weeks prior, we had – the whole country had been experiencing some racial unrest. Mm -hmm. That's when Black Lives Matter first came to the front so this is the 2016 election and some things have been happening a gentleman was shot in Louisiana that caused some um, racial unrest and so three weeks prior to us actually moving to Louisiana um, we saw in the news there was a huge police ambush in downtown Louisiana five police officers had gotten shot three of them died and um I said, Lord, (laughs) where are you? We are leaving our beautiful, perfect bubble. I really, it was, we were in a bubble where we lived and you're taking us to a war zone. Um, But I just said, he's doing it for a reason. That just kept going through my head. He's doing it for a reason. He's doing it for a reason. So we get there on August 1st. We had... To travel, I mean, a family of six with all of our stuff, and it took, of course, you know, we had to stop halfway, and we, it, we did not move all in one shot. It was the most uneventful trip. We just rode. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. It was a really great trip with young kids. Right. <laughs> we get there, and um, when our moving truck arrives, we have some gentlemen from the area to come help us move in. And my husband comes up to me and says, you're not going to believe this. But one of these gentlemen is the father of one of the officers that was shot and Mm -hmm. say there was one black police officer that was shot and killed. I remembered his story. I remembered reading about it because he said he grew up in Baton Rouge and he wanted to be a police officer so he could help change his community. Mm -hmm. And um, the gentleman um, that was there to help us. I mean, he shared a little bit of his story and that his son had left a two month old baby boy mm-hmm. and just broke my heart. And I thought, Lord, you have moved us to a community that is so deeply grieving, mm-hmm. right? just grieving and hurting. And I just said, if we're here to just be a light and smile, and um, show some joy, then okay, that's that's just then what we'll do, and so uh, I just I said, okay, then I just really tried to, when I'd go out to the grocery store, and you know, just smile, just smile at people, because you could just see on people's faces just the stress of the time, and then that Not even a full week after our moving truck arrived is when um, we started getting this torrential downpour from a tropical tropical depression that stayed over the area for 36 hours. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I are like online reading, watching the news because we don't We don't know the area. We don't know if we have any rivers near us, Mm -hmm. if there's any levees or anything that we need to be concerned about. So we were just south of Baton Rouge. We were the first major, um, not county, but parish, the first large parish you get to from New Orleans. Okay. So a lot of people from New Orleans settled in Ascension Parish where we were. A lot of them had Lost everything in Katrina. And they were probably, and every time a resettled. storm came, they were nervous. Oh, for sure. If they resettled. But see, in New Orleans, it was Lake Pontchartrain that broke through the barriers and flooded the city. Where we were, we had rivers, but they were maintained and controlled, and it was never an issue. Nobody had flood insurance in Baton Rouge because there was never a concern for flooding. Mm-hmm. This tropical depression stays over the area, and um, once the rain starts to clear, I get word of a church nearby saying, look, there's if you can go help fill sandbags at a local fire station right down the street from our house. And so I mentioned that to my husband, and he and one of my daughters went and helped fill sandbags, and they drove around. And he was like, you're not going to believe. Five-mile radius from our home is under." water. Mm. You can't, you can't even drive. So these homes are completely destroyed five Mm. miles around our house. So our street was clear. Our neighborhood was clear. Um, And I thought, wow, this is, this is massive. This is, uh," (laughs) I just had no idea. We get, we go visit the church nearby and that next day and they say, you know, we're going to pray and we're going to worship, but then we need y'all's help to go help rescue rescue people out of your homes, out of their homes. If you've got a boat, go get a boat. We're going to go start rescuing people. And all of a sudden, that's when you start seeing on the news, some people saw on the news, it didn't get very far of people rescuing one another um, with their boat out of these completely destroyed homes. Mm-hmm. And so from we've gone from war zone <laughs> to complete third world devastation in just a few weeks of us living there.
0: So let me ask you, when you were living in Virginia, you did not want to move to Louisiana and you were struggling. You were asking God continuously, why are we here? Why are we sure. here? Mm-hmm. And he was kind of showing you why you were there to be the light and the joy and help people. Mm-hmm. And that's what you were doing. So keep going. You went from and bubble I think not to only, war zone. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I
1: think not only just being a light for the people in Baton Rouge, but just for my family and for my kids,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because their word world was flipped turned upside down. They'd never experienced anything like this. And um, besides the fact that you know they're in these schools, the schools down there, you have to wear uniforms. So they'd already experienced a whole new world of wearing uniforms, and now their world is. Completely turned upside down, and out our front door it looked normal and fine. Mm. Um, but just when we were finally able out to go out and start driving around um, and seeing the devastation, the the, the church near our home um, started a collection center to help victims in the flooding, and so we actually started helping with that. I knew no one at this church, Mm -hmm. um, but I just felt led to just go help. And so I actually (laughs) had gotten to know a few people here and there. And so I dropped my older girls off. They actually helped sort items and different things. And while the little ones and I would go um, and try to find supplies, um, you had to stand in line, kind of similar to today, you had to stand in line at Walmart because they could, they only had enough employees for, to help a few people. And so we had, to, I mean, we were in a line of cars for about an hour just to get to Walmart to help get supplies that people so desperately needed. I could tell when I got on social media, I was keeping in touch with friends on Facebook. I'd have been writing some on a blog and I could really tell really people didn't have any idea what was going on um, because, you know, the news doesn't always portray things as they are. And I said, you know, I kind of was updating people and I said, you know, I remember back at Katrina, someone started collecting socks and underwear because these people had nothing. And so I shared with um, my friends, I'm just thinking my friends in Virginia on Facebook, if y'all want to send me socks and underwear, I will get it to this church because they need it. And within a few days, we were flooded From Amazon, Amazon, they were hopping on Amazon and sending me socks, underwear, toiletries, towels, washcloths, bedding, dog food, um, pots, pans. Our every day, our male lady would have to to pull her truck. The houses in Louisiana, the driveway comes up directly to the front door. There's no grass. She would pull her truck up to the front door. And I would help her unload boxes into my front room. Thankfully, I had no furniture in the front room. And then I would say to her, do you need anything? Because her house was flooded. Like, what do you need? Take it. (laughs) You know, like you're welcome to any of this. I just, I had friends, not only in Virginia, but friends from college, friends from high school that I hadn't talked to in 20 years Mm -hmm. were sending me things. Um, I had schools doing collections, school supply collections. I had churches sending me checks left and right that I would just take right over to the church there. Um, I had a church in North Carolina send me a 200-pound pallet of backpacks and school supplies. So Mm -hmm. I had this truck with a front loader bringing a pallet up to my front door. That's awesome. Um, Incredible. I I was floored at just one thing on Facebook and people wanted to help. And so I, we got my kids and I put school supplies in all these backpacks and we got them to a friend that was a realtor and she was actually going into neighborhoods. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know the area at all, but she was actually going to neighborhoods and she was she took all these 200 backpacks to, um, a school system um, that she knew of that needed help. So if you'd have asked me, you know, August 1st, why we were moving there, I had no idea. But just a few weeks later, we are serving and ministering to a hurting community. And it wasn't just me. My kids were doing it too. I have mm. pictures of my minivan loaded down with all of these supplies. I had friends from Roanoke that had collected A ton of stuff, and drove down to the church where we were, and I went and helped them unload stuff to the church. And so, uh, it just it it blew my mind how I I mean I didn't do anything great, but I was just God just used me to get things to people who needed it, and I I didn't make a huge impact, but I did what I could, right. Um, with the resources I had and what I was given.
0: Yeah. And I think that is pivotal with a Kairos moment. We, we have to not only recognize it for what it is, but we have to be willing to respond. And God obviously had plans for you there. You were instrumental in ministering to so many that you didn't even know just by being obedient. And I know you might've kicked and screamed some a little bit. God really showed himself faithful in that, can you tell me a little bit more about your kids? How they were adjusting to the new life, and um, were they excited about going? Since they didn't see you struggling,
1: no, they weren't. Um, I mean, the younger two really didn't know what was going on. Sure. Um, one was a kindergartner, and the other was three years old. So they were just happy. We got our rental house had a pool, so they were that. You know, the pool right. saved us really because yeah. in Louisiana, you can swim year round. Right And so we were that saved us, really, um the older two struggled, but I can tell you, even though um I had not planned on putting them in public school there, I'd wanted to do online schooling, but it all fell through the Friday before school was supposed to start, <laughs> and so clearly, God wanted them in public school, and as it turns out, it was the hardest school year, but it was. The best school year. Mm. My kids grew, my older two grew um, emotionally, spiritually. They had to push through hard things. Right. I mean, when your school is all of a sudden inundated with an entire other school and all the normal activities a school would plan for their kids don't get planned because we have another school here. And the way they maneuvered through that. My oldest got introduced to different situations and different people from different walks of life that she'd not been exposed to. There's a situation where she prayed with a girl. uh, She would pray with a girl when they would have outside time at her middle school. And she came home one day and said, Mom, I really want to get her a Bible. And I said, For sure, (laughs) we're going to get her a Bible. And we did. And we marked Bible verses and just seeing because. We took our kids out of a bubble and said, Okay, God, <laughs> this isn't our plan, but here you go. They they were pushed in ways that they'd never had to be pushed and they had to learn to trust the Lord on their own.
0: Mm, that's awesome. We can
1: do that for them. Both of my girls have friendships that the, they developed in that year of school that they still to this day have connections with. Mm. Um they they still send birthday presents to each other and it it's really it's really beautiful to see what came from just that year because what i haven't said that is we were only there for 10 months
0: right i was gonna say that my audience probably doesn't know the connection of why that's so important to know that your daughter still has those connections with her friends because you were there for 10 months and then what happened so around March of 2017,
1: um, my husband's job was downsized and his position was removed. And um, it was completely unexpected. Mm -hmm. And there are some other situations there that um, we have learned since, but it just, it it just knocked the wind out of us. And um, so I can, I'm very thankful that my husband has a lot of um, connections in his position. He networks a lot. Uh And so he, we grieved um, but we jumped right back into printing resumes and talking to people and delivering resumes. And um, we weren't going to let this break us because we had worked so hard to move there. And um, so he just started networking and trying to find another position somewhere. And we wanted to stay. We had developed friendships um, through the church that I had lived, that I had started going to. There was this great group there for new movers, and so I had gotten involved with this group. And mo- the majority of the women in this group had just moved that same summer in the middle of the flood.
0: What is the name of the so ministry?
1: Isn't it just moved? Just moved just ministries. Right. It is. Yeah. Um, and so we had moved there in this pivotal time and it immediately you're bonded when you go through tragedy, <laughs> yeah. it bonds you. And so I, we hit, I, we developed these beautiful friendships with these families and we were not prepared to go back home. We missed our families. We missed our friends, but we were good. We were good where we were. But the only position that was offered to my husband that made sense for our family was back in Virginia. We were not ready <laughs> for that move. And it actually moved us closer to our family than we were originally in Virginia. So uh,
0: well, let me stop you there. I want to ask, when I was reading your story, you had used the word. Forced. You felt it was you felt forced to move back home because your husband's, it was out of your control. Did you ever feel yanked around by God? Here you're content in Virginia, you're settled, your kids are thriving, you have family near you, and then next thing you know, you're moving to Baton Rouge and you didn't want to. But then you were making the best of that. God was using you, opening doors for ministry your kids were making friends, and then he moves you again. Did you ever feel yanked around by him? I didn't feel yanked. Okay. Um, I, the
1: entire time I was in Baton Rouge, I journaled and I wrote on my blog. That's how I process everything. And I just kept asking God to open my eyes to wherever he was working. On the darkest days, on the days where I was just feeling so lonely and God, I don't know what I'm doing here. Show me what is going on. He would just throw out just these little glimpses of ways he was working during the whole time with the flooding and minister, just getting things to people and just being so emotionally exhausted too through all of that. I would sit out on our back patio and our house backed up to a Catholic church And every day they would play chimes and they were old, they were hymns. So I'd sit out on my patio and the chimes would start playing. It is well with my soul.
0: Oh my goodness. Or,
1: you know, just as I am. And so every day it's like the Lord was ministering to my heart. I would see glimpses of him I remember one day on the way to school, taking my kids to school, there's a black minivan that's identical to ours with Virginia license plates Mm -hmm. right in front of us. Um, Another day we got to the school and my kid's gym teacher was outside directing traffic and he's wearing a University of Virginia t-shirt and baseball hat. This is in Louisiana now. You don't have UVA stuff down there. Mm-hmm. And I had we, my husband and I are hokies, Virginia Tech hokies, and I had to roll my window window and make a joke with him. Little things like that. When I started asking God to open my eyes to what you're doing, I just show me what you're doing. It gave me so much life mm. to just take me through that next day. I I did feel initially feel like we were being forced to go back home. I didn't want to go back home, but because God had shown up so big, I knew there's a reason for us to go back home. I don't know what it is, but there's a reason for us to go back home. And what God did in Louisiana, He's going to keep doing. I just, I had to trust that. Right. And within just a few months of us coming here, Virginia, um, coming back to Virginia. Virginia, yeah, my daughter was diagnosed with some. Um significant health issues that we'd been seeing glimpses of over the past few years of her um growing up little things here and there just didn't seemed off, and it got to the point where she was- call, uh, emailing me every day from school begging me to come pick her up because she mm-hmm. was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And that's when, um, when we got her diagnosis, I realized that this is why we were back because we had family that could support us, right? Um, that could help take care of kids, that could help do whatever we needed, so she could get the care that she needed. In just on my street alone, I have so many doctors and nurses <laughs> that live around me that I'm constantly texting. Calling to get their opinion. Do you know this doctor? Do you know a doctor you can recommend? Um, I just have this amazing neighborhood network of people that just took us in and love us and are just always willing to share their wisdom with us. And in Louisiana, I wouldn't, I, I would have really struggled because I didn't have that kind of connection. Right. Um, we are somewhat familiar with the area we're in now because we've lived in Virginia our whole life. I had no idea about the medical system in Louisiana. Just being back here, I've just realized that this is where we need to be while we're dealing with all of this with my daughter.
0: Now, do you feel settled or have you kind of come to the conclusion that, because like when we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, my younger boys asked me, is this where we're going to be living? You know, are we going to move again? That's probably a little bit of their anxiety or something. And I tell them, we are going to live here until God moves us on. And that kind of, kind of teaches them that we we listen and we go where God leads and there's right. purpose in it. We might not always understand because we look back at the six years we were in Colorado and the reason we thought we were going there never came to fruition, but we've, you know, God showed himself faithful in a lot of different areas. So do you feel settled now or are you like, do you feel more readily able to say God, wherever you lead?
1: There are some things going on with our families where I feel like we're going to stay put here in Virginia, but I have just, back before when we were preparing to move to Baton Rouge, You know, my kids had a thousand different questions. How is this going to work? How is this going to work? How is this going to work? And I started to see in my mind that it was almost like a puzzle. We had all these puzzle pieces, and I didn't know how it was going to work, but I knew God was going to make it work. And so I actually drew out um, on a piece of cardstock a puzzle. I wrote words in the different puzzle pieces, school, church, house, like just all these different questions that we had. And as God worked us through those different puzzle pieces, I would color them in. And um, so I've just worked with my kids and talked to my kids about how God sees the completed puzzle. God is holding the box, right? With the picture on it. And our lives are just one little bitty piece of that puzzle. And we can only see that perspective, and we've got to trust him that he knows what the picture is going to look like.
0: That is and so good. So, so
1: good. I have tried to bring that. I mean, I we talk about it all the time um, when we do our devotions and um, when we talk about different situations, just like what's going on in our world right now. Like we don't right. understand. They don't understand why they've had to be out of school for this long. And but we've talked about how God God sees the whole big picture, but we just see our one little piece of the puzzle of what we're going through. And we just have to trust that he's going to put it all together when, when he's ready to do that. <laughs> so he can see the bigger picture too.
0: Now, all of this that you just described for us, that kind of stirred in you a passion to seek the Lord. And you've written two books. Do you want to tell two my audience about those? Two, two Bible Divisions? studies.
1: Yeah. Obviously. Two Bible studies. This is another thing that happened in Louisiana. I'm telling you. <laughs> God moved us there for a reason. I During the flooding and working with the church, I met a, another woman who was a writer. And we got to be just good, good friends. And just, you know, when you meet another writer, mm-hmm. you just, <laughs> writers understand each other. And um, so we just got to know each other really well. And we had heard that Beth Moore was going to do a writer's conference in Texas, in Houston, Texas and that you had to here's the date tickets were going to go on sale whatever and so we said we're going to do it because houston was only five hours away where Mm -hmm. we were it was a total easy drive we could do it and um so we hopped on we got tickets and we were able to go to her writers conference in houston in february of 2017 it met different needs in us and one thing that it met in me that i had it was completely unexpected i had done bible studies and But I didn't have this drive to study the Bible on my own, to just open the Word of God and just dig in, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt kind of lost when it came to that. But at the conference, something Beth said really struck me. She said, if you want to be a woman of the Word, you've got to be in the Word. And so I prayed probably more fervently than I've ever prayed anything, Lord, make me a woman of the Word. At that conference, they shared some great tools and tips about studying the Bible, and I came home after that, and I just dug in, and I just started studying God's Word, and it just lit this fire in me that I just wanted to learn more and learn more and learn more. But then I wanted to give that to other people, too, because the Bible is very intimidating if you don't know how it's structured, if you don't know anything about it. And I have for years and years and years, i had done fantastic Beth Moore studies, Priscilla Schreier, all of them. I'd led them and I'd learned so much from them. But as a mom, even those studies can be intimidating when you've got littles running around and, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I need to sit down and do all this homework and I don't have time. And then you feel like a loser because you right. can't get it done. And so then the Bible study just is left undone.
0: Mm -hmm. I have
1: many studies that I have only marked in half of. So I um, had written, I kind of played with writing a study um, on the book of John. I've uploaded it to my blog as a PDF people could just download. But then um, decided that I wanted to try to self-publish it. Um, And so that's what I did in May of last year. I self-published a study on 30 days with John and it's just a 30 day Bible study. Um, and you actually do the study for six days and then the seventh day you can it, you read a little divisional or just catch up if you need to. But it is it walks you through the book of John. Um, it's only about a hundred pages. So each day is about two or three pages, sometimes four depending on the content. but it is very scripture based. Here and there, there may be questions to kind of help you relate the scripture to your life. But I really wanted it to be a thing where you are studying God's word, and through that, the Holy Spirit is going to apply it to your life. Mm, yeah, it's going to point that scripture out to you and say, Does "That sound familiar to you?" and and let let this Holy Spirit work in you. I think so many times we're so fixed on answering all the questions that we're not just allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do through us.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and mm-hmm. I looked at the newest one you did on the book of Acts. I don't like the kind of Bible studies where it says, and then Jesus called Peter out onto the water. And then the question is, what did Jesus do? <laughs> well, he, yeah. It just said it, you know. I It's the Holy Spirit that will illuminate something and give it, speak to your heart right when you need it. So I'm looking forward to sharing those two studies, devotionals with my audience.
1: Yeah. um, My church has done, they did John last year, the women's group did it last summer. And then this summer they've been doing Acts. And it's just, it's been really cool to hear the feedback from a lot of these women who some of them have never studied an entire book of the Bible before. I had a lady tell me last year that she'd brought her 80-year-old neighbor with her to the John study. And this woman had never read the Bible. And she said by then she said she read the entire book of John. She did the entire study. And at the end of it, she said, I never knew Jesus was God. And oh my goodness. I said, That's that's it, you know. It, for whatever reason, if what you get out of it is that Jesus is, is your Lord, then, you know, right. You know, I, I didn't make that connection. I didn't put it in there. I didn't, there's no, I didn't write the sentence, Jesus is God, but that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to her. Uh Um, and so I've really tried with these studies to just allow the Holy Spirit to guide me in my, in the questions that I ask, but I don't know what he's going to do once he puts it in your hands. So I've really enjoyed this. And so I hope, my hope and my desire is to continue writing these book studies because I think it's a really good, it's a a good jumping point for new Christians who want to get in the Bible they don't know how for busy parents who maybe only have a few minutes on their lunch break for even people who've done all the other types of studies and maybe want to switch it up a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So my hope is to continue doing these. I'm really enjoying writing them.
0: Yeah, well, I will put links to them in the show notes. And I, I think it's amazing how, you know, as writers, we write, we journal to process what we're going through. And out of your hardship, some of the things that you've dealt with that life came out of it and it's feeding other people. I think that's amazing. So Leah, I want to, as we wrap up, can you tell me or tell my audience one thing that you would encourage someone who doesn't have a clue what's going on in their world right now, whether it be, you know, the, the pandemic situation has thrown them for a loop, they have to find another job, or they don't know how they're going to do homeschool with their kids or you know everything's uncertain and I kind of liken it to a kite being you know blown around by the wind and you're like God do you have the end of the string because I feel like I'm kind of out of control I'm not tethered to you what would you say to that person
1: I have just found that um, you just keep asking God to open your eyes Mm -hmm. and look for however he is working He's working in ways that we have no idea. I have dark days here, days where I'm stressed over my daughter. I just keep saying, Lord, just keep however you want to show me. Just keep giving me glimpses of you for us to say, thank you, God. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I needed that. There are times where I'll see something and it'll just make me laugh. And other people might not understand what I'm talking about, but it struck me as funny, and it was a gift that God gave me to laugh in that moment.
0: So friends, I was so encouraged by Leah's message today. We've all been in that position, right? Where we were scratching our heads and we're wondering what God is doing. We're actually asking him, what are you doing, God? But we can rest in the fact that God is in control, God is good. His heart toward us is good. And if we look for him, if we have eyes to see him working, he will show up every single time. See you next time.